listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast again today. Ted Shuttlesworth, back with you again today. It's Monday, and i um, so excited to be back on the podcast. Got big news for you on this Monday, and that is this. As of today, this episode, this podcast has reached over 100,000 downloads as of right now. We are crossed over and uh, headed towards 101,000, which I'm sure we'll hit by today. But it's so amazing to me, like back when I first started the podcast, you know, even wondering back then, like who would even listen to it? I mean, is this going to be something that anybody's going to even be interested in listening to? And uh, now we've hit the place where we're over 100,000 downloads on the podcast. Huge to me. Um, you'll hear from me again, obviously, when we cross a quarter of a million, but that just, to me, that's mind blowing. And so I want to say thank you to every one of you that listen on a weekly basis and, uh, always are sending me messages of encouragement, things you want to hear about just constantly sharing the podcast on social media. A big thank you to those of you that are in the podcast nation if you will, podcast family. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me. And um, to see us cross over 100,000 is a big deal for me. And uh, it encourages me to, to know that people are hungry for the raw, uncut word of God. And uh, so I'm, I'm pumped up. And so thank you. Uh, and I know you guys are excited with me as well. Uh, I'm going to post something maybe on social media later today. You guys can share it. But uh, that's a big step for us. And we're, we're very excited. Carolyn and I, the team, uh, thanks for being with us the whole way there. Appreciate it very much. As you saw today in the title, I'm going to deal with what is con- I consider the silent killer of Pentecost or Pentecostalism, if you want to go that route, uh, in our generation today. And uh, I'm going to take you through. And by the way, if you didn't catch today's Facebook Live, you have got to go back and watch that one. I entitled it How to Be a Fire-Breathing Lion. How to Be a Fire-Breathing Lion. Uh, And it will stir your faith to the next level. And it's going to put some things in perspective for you uh, regarding who you are and what you are in Christ. So I highly recommend you go back to Facebook and, and catch that today. If you're listening to this podcast like months and months later, I'm sure you'll be able to scroll. If you've got the determination, you can scroll back through on our Facebook page and find it somewhere and uh, it'll be a blessing to you. But anyway, I wanted to jump into this today, the silent killer of Pentecost or Pentecostalism in today's generation. And um, if you have your Bible, I want you to open it with me quickly to um, the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew chapter 10. And uh, I want to I show you just a few scriptures Jesus is speaking here to his disciples. And then I'm going to pop over to John chapter 15, the gospel of John. And uh, it, I, I don't want to I don't want to uh, get ahead of myself, but one of the things I do want to talk about today is this, I don't know, I would call it almost an antichrist style of, of thinking that's crept into the church um, that really is 
been propagated more than anything by social media um, in our generation that we're looking for everybody to approve of us. And that's really, that's contradictory to scripture, as I'm going to show you in just a moment. Um, and it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And if you're expecting that to happen or looking for it to happen, you're on a dangerous path because it's not going to, it's not going to take place the way that you desire or think it's going to. That's why I'm doing this episode today because I want you to see one of the most dangerous opponents of the Pentecostal movement uh, in our generation today. Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 22. I want you to see this with me. Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men. For they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. And when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Verse 21, brother will deliver brother over to death and the father, his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. Now, verse 22 is where I'm going. Check it. It says, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. You will be hated by all for my name's sake sake. One of the things that we've got to know and realize right off the bat is that this thought process of thought process of acceptance um, that's really spreading like wildfire through this generation is not a Christ-like thought and it's not a scriptural thought. The way you live for Jesus is never going to be acceptable to this world system. The way that you serve God and serve Christ is never going to be acceptable by an antichrist agenda or system. And we've been tricked into thinking that we have to somehow customize our Christian lives and customize our churches and our belief systems and our quote-unquote worship experiences to be even more acceptable to a world that does not know Jesus. And it's a total lie and it's a total attack against the moving of the Holy Spirit and the power of God in this generation. And I'm going to show you why in just a moment, but I want you to jump over with me for just a bit more foundation on this to the gospel of John chapter 15 and uh, let's read verses 18 through 21. So this is gospel of John 15 Verses 18 through 21, Jesus again speaking says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Verse 20 The Bible says, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not 
know him who sent me. You see that? So Jesus reinforcing again here in the gospel of John, what he said in Matthew chapter 10, and that he adds on here, the reason that the world hates you is not because of you, but it's because first they hated him. And understand that you're not of this world is what he's teaching. You have nothing to do with this world. And that's why they hate you too. That if you did belong to this world, they'd have no problem with you. But because I chose you and called you out of darkness, they hate you just like they hate me. And one of the things that I always try to explain to people is this, is that it's not that they hate you personally. It's that they hate the platform which you stand upon. So for example, the platform of what you believe has been there for thousands of years and they didn't hate you before you stood for that platform. They hated it. But the moment you stood for that platform of belief, you also took on their criticism and anyone who stands on the platform of Christianity and stands for the principles and rules of God will be hated by men who have an unrighteous, ungodly, antichrist spirit. And that's just a given. You can't change that no matter how you know well you craft the gospel message. Jesus didn't teach that you could somehow alter your style of Christianity to be more acceptable by men and women around the world. The Bible is clear that you will be hated for his namesake in every area of the world, that they will reject you, hate you, and persecute you for what you believe and for who you are. We're, we it, Listen, in America, we've never seen anything like that, like we're seeing now, uh, ever take place in the history of this country. You go back as far as you want, hundreds of years. We have never seen the pushback of an antichrist agenda against godly people in America like we're seeing now, where they're pushing back on us uh, with our rights as Christians. Even churches are being sued. Christian businesses are being sued because they won't bend their knee to an antichrist system. If you're a Christian, you know, with a bakery and you won't bake uh, wedding cakes for homosexual weddings, now they're taking you to court to take your business and to make you pay because you won't do something that goes against your belief system or your moral values. You know, now they're trying to sue churches and take church buildings because the pastors refuse to perform uh, gay weddings and gay ceremonies in their church buildings. And now they're in literally infringing upon on our rights as believers because we will not bow down to an antichrist system. Never before have we seen such a demonic pushback openly as we're seeing in the United States right now. And of course, around the world, it's much worse, as you know. In other nations, they're killing Christians. They're murdering people because they won't renounce their faith and won't renounce the name of Jesus Christ and convert to Islam or other other religions and just murdering them in the streets. I remember reading one, uh, I can't remember if it was on Jerusalem Post on my Twitter feed or if it was on Fox News, that there was a woman in, outside of Baghdad who was an elderly woman that Muslim men came to her house and she was a Christian. They gave her a choice. You can either convert to Islam or you can die. And she said, I will never uh, 
renounce the name of Jesus. They drug her into the city square of her town and held torches against her body until she was dead in the street, burnt her to death, burnt her alive. That straight up persecution, as Jesus prophesied, would take place for his name's sake. And we don't see that kind of persecution yet in the United States of America, but you can obviously see where things are headed, that there's a constant growing pushback against the things of God in the United States of America. And see, the what we've had happen is that churches and organizations have tried to create uh, a Christianity that, that appeals to the world, that appeals to the unrighteous, that appeals to the ungodly, to try to get them in the seats. But see, that's not something that's backed by Scripture. The gospel is for all men, but you don't ever change the gospel because of what men are doing with their personal lives. You don't ever change how you function as a Christian because there are people who don't care for your certain style of Christianity. You heard me uh, tell the story recently about my friend who would not stop preaching repentance and holiness in the face of all these other guys that wanted to preach a greasy grace gospel, that nothing you did matter, that your past, present, and future sins are all uh, forgiven, and your choices don't have any bearing on your salvation. And because he wouldn't preach that false doctrine and stuck with repentance and holiness to the next generation, they blacklisted him even from these Christian conferences because no, that's not the that's not the look we want to portray. It blows my mind that full gospel ministers can't even go on a talk show on television. You know what they're going to ask you? They're going to finally get down to the place where they ask you, are homosexuals going to go to heaven? Is homosexuality really a sin? And every guy that I've seen, all these mainstream guys going on television and can't even give a straight biblical answer um, you know, to the talk show host about whether or not sec- uh, homosexuality is really condemned by Scripture and it's really a sin. They fumble around the question and come up with stupid answers and defer the truth, you know, and give some kind of a a bad excuse for a compromise answer because they don't want their New York Times book to drop off the charts and because they don't want people to come against them for speaking the truth. You know, even though I don't care for John MacArthur or his brand of Christianity, I'm not a Calvinist and I I don't believe in cessationism, that the Holy Spirit isn't working today like he did in the early church when the apostles were alive. I don't hold to that doctrine whatsoever. Obviously, I'm a Pentecostal. I'm a continuationist. I believe Jesus is still healing the sick. Uh, You know, we're still casting out devils. We speak with tongues. It's all uh, still in manifestation by the power of God. And I don't believe like Dr. MacArthur believes in regard to the Holy Spirit. But one thing I have to say that I truly, truly respect him for is that he was on a talk show like I was just referring to. And they asked him the question, about homosexuality while he was sitting next to two homosexuals in chairs and turned to them and without flinching or wavering one iota gave them the true gospel scriptural answer that if you don't deviate from a life of sin and receive Jesus as your savior, 
homosexuality will send you to hell and told it to them, not in, in a condemning fashion, but saying, I don't want to see you end up in hell. I don't want to see you uh, separated from God for eternity, but homosexuality is a sin. I respect him for standing up and not trying to come up with some candy-coated, sugar-coated answer that has no biblical backing and telling the truth, speaking the truth in love, as the Bible says. I appreciated that moment. How also, if you want to YouTube it, how he presented the Messiah, the gospel message of the Messiah to Ben Shapiro on Ben Shapiro's show and walked him through Isaiah chapter 53, and, and begin to talk to Ben Shapiro about how could that chapter of prophecy be talking about anyone else but Jesus Christ as the Messiah and presented the gospel message flawlessly to a Jewish man. I'm telling you, those types of things I do truly respect. And I, I wonder, with so much going on in our nation where we're trying to be more and more open and uh, seeker-sensitive, if you will, and appealing to a generation that is godless, you know, to the point where we're trying to streamline our services and remove elements that are Holy Ghost, that are Pentecostal, so that people will be comfortable coming to our churches. You know, there's whether you know it or not, I know it because I've been behind the scenes many, 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 many times. And full gospel denominations are now making decisions to not have any speaking in tongues in their Sunday morning services and making the decision to not have any manifestations of the Spirit of God in their Sunday morning services so that they can have a more streamlined, visitor-friendly experience in their churches. And what they're really doing is that they are robbing people of the power of God. I don't care what they think they're doing. That's what they're doing. Removing the power of the Holy Ghost from their services because they're worried about how an unregenerated man or woman would look at church if they saw the power of God moving, treating the Holy Spirit as though he's some foolish enemy of the plans of God. Like if we really let the Holy Spirit move the way he wanted to, he's somehow working uh, in a contradictory fashion to the plans of Almighty God, that he would actually, although God is willing none should perish, the Holy Spirit would do some things that would push people away from God's plan to bring them to repentance and to bring them into the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit is one with the Father. Jesus Christ is one with the Father. These are not three separate beings that are working against each other. They work as one. Three elements of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're not working against each other. They're working with each other to carry out God's purpose and plan. The Holy Spirit is not our enemy. He's our helper, the Bible says. He's the one who comes alongside to help. So, I mean, for them to have this stupid idea that if the Holy Spirit was allowed to move in our Sunday morning services, it would just so freak visitors out that they'd never come back again. Let me tell you, there's a lot of visitors that need to get freaked out. Their lives are a mess. Their lives are in trouble. And you think you're going to come in there and impress them with some streamlined church service where there's no power of the Holy Ghost? You might as well just close the doors of your stupid church that doesn't win anybody to Jesus, that doesn't get anybody saved. And you think I'm being harsh, but you study the records for yourself.
You study the statistics for yourself that now the average church in America is down to 60-some people on average, down from 80-some a few years ago, won't win one soul in an entire year with their doors open. Makes me wonder, if you're not even winning souls, well, then you're obviously not healing the sick, casting out devils, or setting men and women free. So the question remains, what in the world are you doing in these dead, dry churches that won't even win the lost, have no purpose behind them? They're basically just networking buildings so people can come together and feel good about each other, sticking an invisible uh metaphorical needle in your arm and getting your shot of religion for the week so that you can go back feeling good on your job again because you stamped your time card in a religious house of worship. It's a waste of time. And I promise you, God wouldn't care a bit if every one of those buildings burnt to the ground and was not a church anymore. Because if they're not going to obey the word of God and the Great Commission, if they're not going to preach the gospel, if they're not going to change the generation, they're not a church anyway. They kicked the Holy Spirit out of his house a long time ago. And God's not involved with them in any way, shape, or form. You know, they have these dumb stories that they tell um, soon-to-be pastors and soon-to-be evangelists and even people that want to plant churches. And they make these stupid analogies. I heard two guys telling a story that were into church planning. They were actually teaching people that were about to plant churches. One of the stupidest things I've ever heard uh, from people that are supposed to be intelligent. They said, well, we were in Europe one time and we went to a, a car dealership of a famous brand of car. And we walked into the showroom and looked at all those vehicles sitting in there. They were all shiny and beautiful and cleaned and polished. And we thought to ourselves, you know, we understand that there's times these vehicles need oil changes and there's times that these vehicles get into wrecks and, you know, need body work done on them. But we also noticed that none of those things were being done in the showroom, that they weren't working on broken cars on the showroom floor and they weren't doing oil changes on the showroom floor. And we realized the reason for that is because the showroom floor is the place where they're trying to sell you a vehicle. And so they don't show you the broken ones. They show you the beautiful brand new ones, what they could be, what they should be. And then they have another place where they fix broken vehicles and they have another place where they do oil changes, but that's not where they're trying to sell you the car. And our Sunday morning services are the showroom floor of Christianity where we're trying to sell Jesus to those that don't know him. It should be a clean space. Uh, you know, and it's like such a stupid thing because, you know, if you want to think like that, you know, and then relegate the moving of the Holy Ghost to your quote unquote midweek service or some small group, which by the way, many of these new churches, not only do they not have a, a midweek service, many of them don't even have a Sunday night service. So you explain to me with your little streamlined Sunday morning service when you're going to have a time where the Holy Ghost does move, where people are getting healed, where people are getting baptized with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues, where people are getting delivered from addictions, where people are getting set free. You explain to me with no small group and no Wednesday night and no Sunday night when all you have is your little Sunday morning streamlined service. When is this stuff going to happen? And by the way, 
if you kick the Holy Ghost out of his own house on Sunday morning, who's to say he's coming back to your Wednesday night or your little small group meeting? And we need to wake up because Jesus is coming back and this silent killer of acceptance in 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 this generation is a killer of Pentecostalism and the power of God in the Christian church. If you're looking to be acceptable to people's eyes that don't have Jesus, you are trying to live the the Christian life in a contradictory way than it was taught by Jesus Christ himself. He didn't say you'll be loved throughout the world for my name's sake. He said you'll be hated throughout the world for my name's sake. If you're trying to please men, you will never please God. I'm going to say that again because it needs to be heard by every person. If you're trying to please men, you will never please God because the things that please carnal men and the things that please an almighty holy God are two very different sets of things. If you're going to go easy on sin, if you're going to gloss over sin and the need for repentance and the need for the blood of Jesus, do you know they tell they tell you know young preachers and pastors to say this kind of stuff now. They tell them, "Well, be very careful about your verbiage. You know, don't say. You know, we grew up saying these things for such a long time. Don't say them anymore because people are listening and they might be freaked out." You know, they actually tell us, "Don't say things like this from the pulpit." How many today are washed in the blood of Jesus? How many are happy that you're washed in the blood? Say, well, don't say that because then visitors will think, well, man, this church is weird. What do they do? Wash people in blood here? You know, they tell you, you know, they want people to remove the cross from the church, remove signs of the cross because, you know, signs of the cross are um, actually pictures of a very morbid um, death penalty. It's, you know, to to look at crucifixion, a torturous uh, uh, death or avenue of death, you know, it's very morbid. You need to take that out of your churches. It's Let me tell you something. Without the cross and without the blood, there is no remission of sins. You, you might as well close up shop and go home. If you're going to remove the cross and remove the blood of Jesus from Christianity and not talk about it and, re- and choose not to speak in tongues because people might be freaked out, let me tell you, this generation is dying and on their way to hell. You know, you don't go into a doctor's office and tell a doctor or a surgeon how he should conduct his his uh, hospital for people that are dying and need surgeries. Well, listen, don't, you know, don't talk about the fact that they have a cancer. Don't talk about the fact that they have a tumor in their body because, you know, that just makes people feel uncomfortable. Just kind of gloss over it and say, hey, listen, everything's going to be all right one day. You know, we're just going to, no, they are straight up with you. You've got something in your body eating away at you and we've got to perform form a surgery and remove that thing. It's not nice to hear. It's uncomfortable to hear. But if you don't remove it, it'll kill you. So stop glossing over the things that will kill a generation. Stop glossing over sin. Stop glossing over, you know, these attacks of the devil that have come against our generation. Stop glossing over depression, anxiety, and addictions. Stop making it as though these things are unimportant or that they're, you know, just so normal that we should just accept them. You need a strong church in America to stand up and declare the power of God over a generation of people that are not on their way to heaven. If you're looking for acceptance, you're not looking the way Jesus told you to look 
towards the future. He said very clearly, let me read it again, John 15, 18 through 21. If the world hates you, remember, it hated me before it hated you. So what are you, greater than Jesus? That you're going to do what Jesus did and accomplish what Jesus did, but they'll be happy about it? No, the world will hate you for doing what you are called to do. Live for Christ, not be ashamed of the Holy Ghost. You know, I'm not trying to get more. I was talking to somebody today. I said, I could go on Instagram and look at all these guys, and I'm not speaking against any individual. That's why I'm not naming their names. When I mentioned John MacArthur, I was actually praising his actions for what he did. Although I'm not doctrinally aligned with him, I appreciated the things that he did. But when I'm talking about these guys, I'm not mentioning their names. I'm talking about the principle of what needs to be spoken about, which is if I was to go on Instagram and start looking at all these uh, ministers that are very, very popular, that are streamlining their message for a new generation, if I tried to uh, emulate what they did and remove the element of the Holy Spirit from my ministry and from my from from what God's called me to do, I'd be done for. I would be done for. It would be curtains for me and my ministry. If I was going to start removing speaking in tongues and the manifestations of the Holy Ghost and the laying on of hands and healing the sick, casting out, if I was going to cut all that out, I might as well just hang it up and go home. I've got no desire. I want you to hear me very clearly, and neither should you. I've got no desire to try to become less like the Holy Ghost, to have less of his power in operation, less of his power moving. I have zero desire to back off of the message of Pentecost and to adopt some new age style of preaching that doesn't focus on the power of the spirit. You know, you go around talking, people are so dumb that they will actually believe when others say, well, you know what, let's just, let's focus on what the main thing is. And that is Jesus. You know, Jesus is the main thing. I think we can all agree that let's just focus on Christ and the message of Christ. Let me give you a little news update. You can't focus on Christ and the message of Christ without getting into the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the power of the Holy Ghost moving in Pentecostalism because Jesus himself commanded his disciples to not do anything any more work in the kingdom of God until they went to Jerusalem and waited for power from on high on the day of Pentecost. And he said, I'm going to send you another comforter who will be with you. He'll empower you and you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. And he said, don't do anything else till you get this power. And they, you know, it was prophesied. They would speak with new tongues. They'd prophesy. Let me tell you, Joel's prophecy came to pass in Acts chapter 2, and Peter recounted and rehearsed Joel's prophecy to all of the men from all those different nations that had come to Jerusalem uh, and and for the Pentecost celebration. And let me tell you something, from that day forward, it has always been Christ's desire that the Pentecostal message spread like wildfire through the world. Why do you think the Southern Baptist Convention is now making appropriations for their missionaries who do work, Christian work in third world nations to be filled with the Holy Ghost and to operate by the power of the Spirit? You know why? Because they realize that their, their missionaries that were doing work overseas weren't even having any successful results, that all the reports coming back, Pentecostalism is spreading like wildfire throughout the world, but it's not working the way that we believe. So they said, you know what? For missionaries, you know, it is okay. Let me I'll tell you why they have to change it. 
is because you can't do effective work for the kingdom of God without the Holy Ghost. We need him. And I don't care if it's acceptable or if it's unacceptable to the world system. I'm not going to base my life, my ministry, my Christianity on what some antichrist person thinks about the Holy Ghost. It's obvious what's in you is not going to like what's in me because what we have in us are two different things. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. You're filled with an antichrist spirit. You're not going to like what what you feel on the inside of me when that conviction hits you and when that anointing hits you. People won't like it. And so you need to understand this whole uh, lie and trap of acceptance this whole social media acceptance. Well, I just want to, you know, I have no desire to be popular. I have no desire to get a reality TV show. I have a no, I have no desire to be at the, you know, some award show and rub shoulders with famous people. I don't care. What I care about is, is God using me by the power of his spirit to set men and women free? If he is, that's all I'm called to do. God can choose to exalt me at his own discretion. He can promote me at his own discretion. I'll keep being faithful. He'll keep promoting, but I've got no desire to be on the cover of GQ magazine to, you know, it, it blows my mind how so many people are tricked into the trap of popularity and acceptance. That's not what Christianity is about. And if it's what you think it's going to be about, you're missing the message of Christ. It's not to say that God won't exalt you. It's not that I'm not saying God won't make your name great. That's part of the Abrahamic covenant. But what I'm talking about is when people are trying to get uh, promoted by people that are in the world, become popular among people that are in the world. That is not That is not the message of Christ. If anybody is exalted truly in the kingdom, they're exalted by God. The world will hate them. You know, you look at, you look at even guys through the centuries that did great things for God. God exalted them. God made their name great, but they still had governments come against them and try to shut them down. Look at men like in the voice of healing. Look at men like A.A. Allen and, you know, Oral Roberts, where their own denominations tried to shut them down because they couldn't be controlled by a religious spirit. Their own denominations tried to shut their ministries down, sent people to try to set them up and make them fail. You know, you look at Jack Coe and others that went to prison. R.W. Shambach went to prison for quote unquote disturbing the peace or practicing medicine without a license was the charge. Got put put in jail overnight or whatever. All these men of God jailed. They weren't popular among the government or law enforcement. They got put in prison for doing what they were doing. But God made their name great and everybody knew who they were because they were obedient to the Lord. If you're trying to come up with a Christianity that's palatable to sinners, that's palatable to the world system, you're failing what Christ called you to do. That's why we need a boldness to not care. It doesn't mean we don't walk in love. It doesn't mean that we don't love people in the world. It means I'm not changing what I believe because you don't like what I believe. I'm not changing what I believe because it makes you uncomfortable. It should make you uncomfortable. You should feel conviction. You should feel the anointing on my life. And if it makes you uncomfortable and angry, that's not my problem. It's your problem because there's sin in your life that needs to be forgiven. So I'm not changing. One of the biggest things, and and listen, my generation needs to hear this. We are not to strip the power of the Holy Ghost from our churches. We're not to strip the power of the Holy Ghost from our ministries so that more people will like and accept and share and retweet and heart 
That's not what this is about. Do you have the power of God moving in your life as a Christian? Is the power of God moving in your church? Let me tell you, if you attend a church where they don't allow the Spirit of God to move, leave this week and find one where they do allow the power of God to move. It's life or death for you and your children to be in a place where the Holy Ghost is flowing freely. I'm going to pray for you right now that the uh, boldness of the Holy Ghost would overtake your life. And if there's any of this that's tried to creep into your heart or into your spirit, of trying to be accepted by the world system. If you're a minister listening to me on this podcast, it's time to rethink everything. If there's some thought in your mind that you need to you know, streamline your church or ministry to be more accepted by the world, it will not happen. And you'll lose the favor and power of God trying to go that direction. Father, I pray for everyone listening. Give them a new boldness, a fresh boldness to do the works of God to stand up for what is true, for what is right, and for what is holy in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I ask you now in Jesus' name to use us mightily to impact this world before Jesus comes. Father, give us a burden for the lost. Give us a burden for the dying and for the hurting in Jesus' wonderful and mighty name. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be your children. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for making us your own. And now let us please you with every action that we take. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you and we give you praise. Amen. I love you guys so much. And I know this seemed a little harsh today, but it is such a disease in the body of Christ. We cannot allow it to take over. We've got to stand up and be bold about the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives and in our churches and in our ministry and in this nation. This nation needs the Holy Spirit more than ever before. Listen, I love you. Send me a message. Tell me some things you'd like to hear on the podcast. I love hearing from you guys. Take a minute to share this one on your social media outlets. I love you guys so much. And don't forget until Wednesday, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you soon. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. 